Hello and welcome to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. This is our 100th podcast. Wow, 100. What a big number. I know that we have 10 fingers, but what if we had 12 fingers? Maybe we wouldn't be celebrating until we got to 12 times 12 is 144. But aren't we lucky that we have 10 fingers? Strange how that works. Anyway, what I wanted to do this podcast is just to have a conversation, just to talk about different things, such as bringing everyone together. Happy birthday. Is it a birthday? We're not counting trips around the sun. We're counting 100 podcasts. So I like to grow logarithmically. So the next time we can celebrate this is at 1,000. What I want to do here is talk about what brings us together. Bottom line here is I, and I think you, want to install a lot of solar. And there's a lot of different motives for installing solar. And I see too often in this world, in this industry, where people are polarized in trying to divide each other. Or shall I say divide us? Anyway, the goal is to install solar and storage and wind and all this renewable energy stuff. And there's a lot of different reasons why. So we have people wanting to be green, we have climate change, we have jobs, we have homegrown energy, we have preppers, we have people not wanting to support foreign oil and dictators and people that chop off body parts. Because you know what? We're giving those people jet airplanes so we can get oil so they can suppress their own people. So I just want to bring everyone together. And one of the things that's kind of unfortunate is there's so many people that are trying to divide us. But let's look at our intentions too. Sometimes if you just say the wrong word or you make a joke about a serious situation, some people will get offended. And that just divides us. I even see the people whose primary motive is climate change getting in arguments amongst themselves because somebody didn't use the right word or somebody else, hopefully this is me, has a sense of humor. Man, I can't stand it when people don't have a sense of humor. So most of us out there are Americans or humans. I don't know. Maybe your dog's listening. We want energy independence. I mean, who doesn't want energy independence? Clean air? Is that something that we can all agree upon? Good health? I mean, if you look at some other countries, some other places, there is some really nasty air in these places. I am thinking about New Delhi right now. I know the International Solar Energy Society is having their biennial event. I think that's the word for every two years they have a big event. And so that's ISIS, the International Solar Energy Society, having the Solar World Congress in New Delhi. And you know what? I was going to go there, and then I looked up the worst pollution in the world and lung cancer and all this stuff, and I said, you know, I'm just going to wait for the next one. I don't want to die. And then another thing about that, too, it's the International Solar Energy Society. And they have been called ISIS for decades, long before the terrorists have. And I actually offended somebody when I brought that up, talked about how the acronym is being shared by good and bad people. So, hey, people out there, please don't cancel me. We all need to be working together because we have a serious thing to accomplish. And I think one thing about making jokes and stuff like that is it brings about consciousness. So when somebody laughs at something, that means they understand it. 
That's what makes us human. And then we look at the intention. I didn't mean anything bad by just sharing that the acronym was being shared by good and bad people. So here's another thing about how comedy can sometimes help society. Sometimes people would think maybe it's politically incorrect to say funny things about serious subjects. So let me just make a statement here and see if it's true. If Germany in the 1930s had better comedians, there never would have been Nazis. So is that offensive? Does that catch your attention? Is that politically incorrect? But most of all, could this be true? I think so. And maybe those comedians would have been very offensive, but they bring up ideas. They bring up consciousness. And so the world needs to be more funny, <laughs> even about serious subjects. So anyway, we were talking about clean air. That's a good thing that a lot of people can agree upon in health. Another thing that a lot of us can agree upon, but maybe not all of us, is fast cars. And so I have an electric vehicle. It's solar powered. It's running off stuff on my roof. It is excellent. It is so fun to drive. And I might have that in common with somebody else that likes a fast car that's burning a bunch of gas. And once they see that an electric car can go much faster than a gas-powered car, we might have that in common too. And they might not be into it because it's good for the environment. They might be into it because they like racing cars. So let's bring us together. Let's think about what we have in common. And that might be acceleration. And also, who doesn't like avoiding gas stations? Those places stink. Another thing that brings us all together is backup power. People like backup power. So you have on one end, people like me working on their computer. They were changing my transformer yesterday and the power went out. So I like using a battery in those situations. But you also have people like my parents who are preppers and they're looking for backup power because of the apocalypse. So whether or not you believe the apocalypse is coming soon in our lifetimes. Backup power is something that brings solar energy to a lot of people that don't believe in climate change. And that's okay, because even if you don't believe in climate change, you still might be helping prevent it. Okay, here's another one that brings us all together, is inexpensive electricity. Who doesn't like inexpensive electricity? And if we go back far enough in time, we might see that electricity from renewables was a lot more expensive. But hey, get with the times. Solar and wind are the cheapest forms of electricity in the world. And that is the truth. I mean, we're talking some contracts for under one cent per kilowatt hour. So if you are not a climate change denier, so that means that you believe in climate change being a big problem, then you might consider that we have a climate change emergency. How do you best counteract that? You don't do it by dissing on people and making divisions. You bring us all together, put us all under the same tent. I remember one time at the American Solar Energy Society, that's ACES, the ACES conference. This was a number of years ago. They had a speaker there that was from what was called the Green Tea Party. Do you remember the Tea Party? They were a conservative group. And they didn't believe in climate change, but they believed in resilience and having backup power and things like that. 
So I thought that was pretty cool, bringing people together, you know, instead of getting in a big fight over things that they don't believe in and don't have in common, they got together and talked about what they did have in common. I thought that was really cool. But hey, I might be one of those people that believes that climate change is an emergency and that the climate hasn't changed so fast since the asteroid took out the dinos. That's 180 million years ago. Plus, that event was getting colder. And we can have some super volcanoes in there that change the climate really fast. But maybe we're just getting ready for a nuclear winter. You know, heating it up so it doesn't get so cold. Shoot, I hope not. Sorry to bring that up. And I don't mean to scare people when I say nuclear winter because I know that's like totally scary. Well, maybe I do mean to scare people, I guess. But I don't mean to offend anyone. So I think this is a very serious thing. And perhaps the difference between a nuclear war and not a nuclear war is making homegrown energy, solar energy. So we can prevent a nuclear war, perhaps, by not arming dictators, fighting over oil. Oil is a resource that's only in certain areas. A good percentage of it is in Saudi Arabia. And we give them so much money over there, they to go take day trips in wide-body jet airplanes. Maybe they can develop technologies that we don't want them to develop. But the thing about renewables, especially solar energy, is it works everywhere. Some places it works twice as good as another place. You know, so you can go to a place that seems really dark versus a desert. The desert might make twice as much. So all that means is you need twice as much solar installed in that darker area. And it doesn't get too far off from that twice as much. I hear some people out there saying that it's going to be five or ten times difference, and that just doesn't happen, not even at the South Pole or the North Pole. Pretty much, if you go to where people live, the darkest place and the brightest place, the brightest place makes about double for the same amount of solar installed. I just want to put something out there and talk about how fast the climate is changing. Usually, when the climate does change, because, you know, it does change over long periods of time, but it's never changed this fast. The number of degrees that the Earth's temperature has gone up over about the last hundred years, and so that's when the temperature started going up, putting all that CO2 up there, larger populations on Earth, all that kind of stuff. For a 1.3 degree change, which is probably about where we are right now, and that's 1.3 degrees Celsius, we'll talk about that in a second, it would take 5,000 years to do what it's done in the last 100 years. So 5,000 divided by 100, that's 50, so that's 50 times faster. So that's kind of crazy. And another thing is too many people talk about Celsius to Americans. So Celsius is the metric temperature. And I like Celsius. It's pretty cool. Zero is freezing. 100 is boiling. It's a good way to get a good idea there. But we're used to Fahrenheit in the United States. And so one degree change Celsius is the same as 1.8 degrees change in Fahrenheit. And too often when people are talking about climate change in the United States of America, they are using Celsius, and they're not even saying it's Celsius. They just say 1.5 degrees or 1.2 degrees. They're being all international. But you got to talk to Americans. Plus, it sounds worse. 
kind of gets the point across. But you multiply times 1.8. So one degree change Celsius is 1.8 degrees change Fahrenheit. So when I was at the COP27, that was the climate conference last year in Egypt, everybody was talking about how the climate has changed and the earth has heated up by 1.2 degrees. 1.2 times 1.8 is 2.16 degrees Fahrenheit. So the earth, as of last year, has already heated up about 2.16 degrees Fahrenheit. That's the whole planet. It's kind of crazy. I was just reading another article, and they were saying 1.3 degrees, and that's Celsius, 1.3 times 1.8 is 2.34 degrees Fahrenheit. And then the big number that we've been trying not to cross, that looks like it's inevitable that we are going to cross, because even if we do nothing, the Earth will still keep heating up because of what we put up there in the sky. So that 1.5 degrees Celsius times 1.8 is 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit. Then another number that's kind of crazy is 2. What a crazy number, 2. 2 degrees Celsius times 1.8 is 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit. And that's another scary number that they talk about at those climate change conferences. So I was just recently in Alaska, and you might think that people up there in Alaska probably don't care too much about climate change, especially in the winter, they are freezing, putting duct tape over holes in the walls, putting more wood on the fire. It can get cold in those places. But you know what recently happened up there? Let's talk about Juneau, the capital of Alaska. It's kind of the southern part of Alaska, too. They call it Southeast Alaska. They have this really cool lake with this really cool glacier. It's called the Mindenhall Glacier. And I've been to it a number of times. And what's kind of crazy is you go there year on year and that glacier is receding really fast. Then you can see dates where it was in the 1950s and it's like going a mile back. So the Mindenhall Glacier Visitor Center at some point in the next decade or so will no longer be able to see the glacier. So what are they going to do? All these cruise ship people come up there. They want to see this glacier and you can't see it anymore. I mean, eventually it's just going to melt away. Then another thing that's kind of interesting is that as the glaciers melt, the land rises up. It rises faster than the sea level goes up. So relative to the land up there, the sea level is going down. And some people like my brother have property that's right on the edge of the sea, or shall we say fjord, and they're getting more property because their property goes to mean high tide. So that's kind of crazy. They're getting more property. They're getting warmer. Hey, those aren't such bad things up in Alaska. But still, here's a bad thing that happened. Coming out of that lake where there's that Mindenhall Glacier in Juneau, big piece of ice fell off, bunch of water came rushing down, and it knocked a couple houses off the side of the river. Ouch. So here's just some examples of things that might divide us. I went to a climate change conference. And some other renewable energy people that I knew were making fun of me online, saying that I shouldn't go because it's bad for the climate. Like, come on, can't we work together on this thing? I mean, it's like, how do you win with some of these people? They get so serious. I mean, of course, it does take an airplane to get there, which is not good for the environment. But if something happens, maybe my speech inspired somebody to do something Maybe just by being there, one extra person, a thousand extra people, a hundred thousand extra people, it's going to also inspire our politicians, you know, the decision makers. 
So dissing somebody for going to a climate change conference, probably not the best thing that somebody can do. And then dissing me for making jokes about a serious subject, like making fun of dictators and forced labor. I think those things are bad. I'm one of those people that does like human rights, you know, making jokes, sort of like making fun of the idea that we have all these tariffs for solar modules because of things like forced labor. And then we don't have tariffs for bifacial modules because somehow it's not so evil when it's bifacial. Anyway, let's get everyone on the same team. If we divide people, we lose. If we join people, we conquer. So, yep, that's right. Let's get the hippies and the rednecks together. Let's get the climate change believers and the climate change deniers together. Let's get together figure out what we have in common. Everybody loves homegrown solar energy. And let's change the world for the better. One thing that I've thought of over the years is that if some person 20 years ago can live off-grid with solar and make all their own electricity, which is true, and I know people that are living off of those 20-year-old systems that were way more expensive than they are right now, if somebody can do that by themselves, very isolated, very far away, then people that are connected to the grid that can share electrons, they can do that too. And we could get the whole world on solar and wind. It's the people that say, oh, this can't happen. It's come up with all these excuses. It can happen. A couple of times I've done some different calculations too. If you think about it, what if the whole world took off a week, a month, a year, or equivalent and just spent that time and energy converting to renewables. It would easily happen with a whole 8 billion people working a year on it, or equivalent, you know, 1 billion for 8 years. It's going to happen. So don't be negative, be positive. But remember, if positive connects to negative, that's called a series connection. That's how we increase our voltage for solar modules. Yep, I just couldn't help but educate you a little bit towards the end. We can call that a string now, according to the 2023 National Electrical Code. PV modules in series, a string, no longer just a PV source circuit. So, thanks for listening, and if you want to learn more about solar and storage, go to solar, S-E-A-N, that's solarshawn.com. And thanks for listening to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage 100th Podcast. Wow, 100! Woo!